All righty. Number one, singleness is the first building block of society, not marriage. <clears throat> and I know that means, oh, no, no, no. Let me, let me start with this first. Shared this Wednesday night. They pulled it out of me. They did. I mean, I dismissed. I said, man, I want to share something with y'all. Oh, no, I'm not going to share it. People were in the aisles. Uh, out, out the door, they came back in. Very, very important because the things that I share now in the next, the next few minutes here should be about another 15, I think, is for, is for resetting your mindset. I heard a wonderful story told by a Jewish rabbi. And he said that there was a man who was eating fish. And his friend said, do you love fish? He said, I absolutely love fish. He said, really? He said, yes, I absolutely love fish. He said, no, you don't love fish. You love yourself. And because of how much you love the way your taste buds feel, taste buds feel when you eat the fish, you are willing to catch the fish, clean the fish, kill the fish, and eat the fish that you say you love when actually you're using the fish to fulfill your desires and your emotions. And then he began to say, much of what we call love is fish love. Most people don't know that unconsciously you're not dating for the right reason and for the right purpose. It's actually you're looking for someone to fulfill your desires. You're lonely, so you're looking for someone to get rid of your loneliness. You're financially strapped, so you're looking for someone to move in to help you. This is why people who are not married always are so quick to move in. It's not because they love each other. It's a business arrangement. Okay? So you're looking for someone, and, and it's all of these different type of areas. You know, like, like some of the things. I, I want somebody for Christmas. I want somebody for Valentine's. I want somebody for this. I want somebody. That's, where, that's where a lot of you know, what they call one-night stands come in, is that it's not true love. It's fish love. It's looking for someone that can meet my expectations and my desires to make me feel comfortable, and that's why most people end up divorced. My number one thing is, is that they didn't meet my expectations. I was disappointed in my expectations. So much of what we call love is what you call fish love. We are willing to use people. That's why, and, and it's worse for ladies, okay? Because, see, see, ladies sometimes, they need to get rid of their their lonely emotions. And so, or ladies, they need them. They don't have a, a job themselves, so they need a sugar daddy to, to, to pull on. And, and the only reason why you're with the guy is not because you like him or love him. You're not even because he got a nice house. You're with him because he gives you money. And the only reason why you give him sex is to get money because you have a love for money. So in order to fulfill that love for money, you're willing to get with a guy that's 30, 40 years older than you. Nothing necessarily, I guess, wrong with that. There's nothing against it in the scripture. But the reason you're with him is because of money. This is the reason why men, they have such a strong need for sex. They don't really love you. They just use you to get sex. That's why most women that are not married to a man, whether they live with him or dating him, if they stop sex, he leaves. Because he was just using you. He didn't love you. Can't tell you how many women I've counseled. I mean, I don't know if he's the one and it's been such a long time. Stop giving him sex. Why he leave in three weeks? Because he was using you. It's fish love. He needed sex. You were giving it to him. And, and it's crazy nowadays because... No, nowadays, she's giving him sex. She's giving him a place to live. He's driving her car. He's living off her money. He at home playing Xbox all day. She goes to work. He won't even pick her up from work. He won't even drop her off. He's just doing his own thing. You know why? And it's professional women that work for Fortune 500 companies do that. 
It would blow your mind to know how many women that work in Fortune 500 companies, CEOs, master degrees, PhDs, and got a fool, a bum, an idiot, a gangster living in their house. You know what they said? I just want to have somebody. So you don't really like this guy. You don't even love this guy. You love yourself so much, you're willing to do anything to get rid of a feeling that is supposed to be found in God. And most people, unfortunately, not most, but a lot of people are too lazy to work their way into God so that he can change their feelings. Remember what Paul said? Paul was a single man. And because he chased after God so hard, so diligently, he said, man, I was chasing so hard. They caught me up into heaven. And it changed my feelings so much. He said, I saw things and heard things that it's not even legal to say. Ah, save myself. I tried to look sweet instead of falling. <laughs> he said, I saw things it's not even legal to say. And he said, as a result of it, I have chosen to remain single. Paul said, and I wish... He said that everyone would be like me because I got lost in God so much. It changed my mindset. It got rid of negative feelings of loneliness. It changed everything. And now I do not want to be married. I live. Remember what he said for Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Woo. So singleness is the first building block of society, not marriage. Trying to get you to understand that as, as important as marriage is, there should be more emphasis on being single than being married. That word singleness means to be without hypocrisy, straightforwardness, the quality of concentrating on one central objective. Being single is the most important state of human development. Some people think that being single is a negative thing. What makes it worse is family members. Church members, business associates, etc. put pressure on you as well. You're not married yet? You okay? Something wrong with you? You gay? When you gonna settle down? My favorite one is, we need grandchildren. We didn't go buy you something then. <laughs> go adopt somebody if you need somebody that quick. I'm not about to hurry up and get married just so I can provide you grandchildren. But you know what I'm saying? And all of this stuff and society and everything else, it puts you into this pressure mode where now you're single and you feel like there's something wrong with you. When the scripture, if you study the scripture carefully, it, it never says, how can I put this? The scripture in several different places talk about if you can stay single, stay single. If you get married, this is what it means and this is what it represents. But the scripture steers you towards being single, not being married if you study the scripture correctly. That's why Paul said, I wish that everyone would be like me. Okay? So if you're single, you need to embrace it because if you get married, your marriage will only be as good as your singleness. See, you got one single person and you got another single person who come together and it ends up being a sum total of who those individuals are. 
So the importance should be on single, not on married, because all married is is just two single individuals. And so everybody keep wanting to get married, wanting to be married, when actually the focus should be on being a successful single individual so that if you happen to get married, two successes get together and make a big success, not two defects getting together and producing a defective marriage. And then showing other single people that this is what marriage is. Okay? Your marriage is only as good as your singleness. Marriage does not improve your single status. It exposes it. I'm going to let that sink in for a second. Y'all understand where I'm going? Being married does not improve who you are. It exposes who you are. We're going down, Jesus, hand up. No one knows you don't keep the house clean. When you're single. No one knows you have a porno problem when you're single. I'm looking at, you know, first-time visitors. When I, when I feel the heat of the congregation, there's an imaginary congregation on the back wall. And whenever this congregation stops saying amen, they start jumping up, slinging oil. A lady just threw a bobble at me because she was so happy. No one knows how you are with money when you're single. Nobody knows this stuff when you're single. Because how many know this? As long as you're single, you put up a good front. And here's the even deeper part. Unless you really lock on to God, the stuff that's wrong with you, you can't even work on while you're single. If you interrupt men while they talk, you really can't work on that until you get married. You understand now why you have to be chasing? I mean, oh, I can feel that the anointing has come in now. It's serious in this piece right now. See, and this is helping married people and single people. I have to do a reset. I haven't even got to the reset yet. <laughs> hey? So I'm trying to help you understand that, that what has happened in, in, in the body of Christ is that because of what the scripture says about marriage, about it representing Jesus Christ in the church, they have put all of the emphasis on that when actually all of the emphasis should be on singlehood, not marriagehood. Because when you get married, it's going to be the sum total of two singles. So the ministry should be more to the singles than it is to the marriage. Now, with people that are married, we got to have marriage counseling and marriage seminars and stuff like that. But there should be more single seminars than marriage seminars. But typically, they just, bring, what, they just bring the singles together. Well, you know, we ain't said nothing to them in a while, and they complaining, so let's just give them a little couple of revelations, you know, that it's stupid that they can't really use. Put them in bondage and say it works this way. No, it doesn't. It only works one way. You put your full dedication into Jesus Christ, and when it's the right time, boom. Y'all still with me? <laughs> so when you get married, it does not improve you. It exposes you. When you get married, get married, it exposes all of your defects. Two defects marry. What's worth is when two defects don't marry, but they live together. Two two defects living together is worse than two defects married. Because if two defects are married, at least God puts his stamp of approval and tries to give some grace. 
But the two defects that are living together in the same house and they're not married, there's nothing on that except for mercy. We're just going to make sure that y'all don't kill yourselves because you have an open portal for the devil to take you out and there'll be no forward movement and you will waste your life. If you knew all there is to know about you, like you know, would you marry you? She's just like the person, that, and I'm not being disrespectful to whoever wrote the 25-member list. That was somebody out of town. Okay, but, but you got 25 points on the list. How many of them have you fulfilled in your personal life? I heard a pastor say, man, I said, man, when I heard this, oh, I said, yeah, I'm writing this down. He said, everybody wants a perfect pastor, but nobody wants to be a perfect congregant. I just keep that in my back pocket when I might have to use it every once in a while for the next 30 years. Okay. If you knew all there is to know about you, like you know, would you marry you? If the answer is no, how many know you got some work? See, this is the cool thing, y'all. Get yourself together. In any other area of society, if you're not ready, okay, you're not ready. Get yourself together, okay, now you can have it. But see, if you're asking for the Lord to send you the right individual, the Lord does not want that individual saying, Lord, why did you give me this woman? So that he or she will never be able to accuse the Lord of that. They're not going to send you that type of individual until you get yourself together. You bring to the table what you are as a single person. So stop concentrating on marriage. Genesis 2, 15 through 18. The Lord placed the man in the garden of Eden. To tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of the true free. Ah, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you're going to die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Every time the Lord referred to Eve, he never referred to her name. He just called her a helper. If you go back and look at this, the Bible says God called both of their name Adam. Eve got her name from her husband. She got her name from her husband. She got her instructions from her husband. She got her purpose from her husband. God didn't tell Eve not to touch the tree. Her husband told her that. See, we're going back to the statement. The wife is for the purpose of helping the husband. And the husband is for the purpose of maturing the wife. So now what happens is, is that the most terrible situation is when you are supposed to help somebody that's not doing nothing. Or you got to help somebody that has the inability to mature you. You got to mature them and help them at the same time. And then wondering why you're going crazy as a woman. This helps understand the role of a man. A man is supposed to be more spiritual than a woman. And I'm supposed to be no, well, I don't have that problem here. Ain't no such thing as having a prayer. All the prayer means the women are there. That's at the other places, not here. I, all the men be at my, I have just many men at the prayer meeting on the prayer call, etc. But, well, that's because I didn't mean that the way, you know, the arrogant thing of, you know, I'm just saying every seed reproduces out of their own kind. You don't pray as a man, other men are not going to pray. There are some men that don't come to this church because I pray. Because there are some men 
that they're going to be little boys till they're 70. Christianity is for men, not boys. Did I finish reading the garden? Yeah. So we're going to finish by this nice little story here. This is so good. Now, this is the deeper version. Y'all ready? When God created, there's something that you have to understand. When God starts with something, he starts it in the order of priority. Whatever is in the beginning is very important. That's why the Bible is, Bible calls Jesus the cornerstone of the entire foundation. So when they built the foundation, they put stones. The first one they put in place was Jesus. Important. So when he started the beginning, he started with the most important. Notice he did not create a marriage. He created a single person. He could have easily created a man and a woman at the same time. Why did he not do that? Because singlehood is more important than marriagehood. I know that's not a word. I like to create stuff when I feel good. So it is more important to be single than it is to be married. Because when you get married, it will be a sum total of who you are as a single individual. So he created a single man first and gave him time to get himself together and learn some stuff. Operate in the presence of God and have a purpose. So ladies, I'm just I'm giving you the responsibility. What a man should be doing to prepare for marriage is... Learning the things of God, getting closer to God, learning how to flow with the Holy Ghost, learning how to practice the presence of God and learning and figuring out and praying and seeking after and chasing after and working his purpose, not Xbox. Because when you go back and study this garden experience, that's all he had Adam do. Says that he created a garden. He placed Adam in the garden, told him, get to work, get to tending. Get to keeping, get to watching over it. A woman is not even on the picture. Adam never asked God for a wife. That was his idea to give him one. See, when you're about your father's business, you don't have to ask for nothing. He just gives it to you. But it's so many single people that are not about their father's business. They ain't everybody else's business. They on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat and everybody else's business. They on BET and all of these other MTV shows about all of this ratchet business. But they're not about the father's business. And it is a business. So if you don't work his business, he won't work yours. If you're not an employee in his business, you won't get a reward. That's in January. I can't wait. Adam was created single, not married. Adam was not interested in marriage. It was God's idea. Adam was working in the assignment God had given him at the time and was not thinking about a woman. But when God wanted him to have a wife, he handcrafted one and presented it to Adam. Adam got so involved, engrossed, and busy with his purpose, God said it's not good for the man to be alone. And I put a second statement here. Most women meet men in heat, not in purpose. Huge difference. That's why if you don't meet a man that's in church or okay, you meeting, and if you're not in church, you're not following after God, you're definitely in heat. That's the only way. Because you're left to the flesh. Yes, that's 
You're just looking for a man that want to go out on a date and, and, and be with a woman and then, okay, I'm done with that one. Let me find another one. That's what dogs do. You ever seen a dog in heat? You got to beat them dogs with a stick sometime. Calm your behind down. I don't know what happened when we went someplace. We had to put them two cocker spaniels in the um, um, the kennel. How are we going for four days? And uh, they were fine when they went in, but they were not fine when they came out. Them, but what happened was is that you know both of the dogs are males, so this is the first time they in the kennel with a bunch of females. Man, them dogs were wild. I thought the dogs would be happy to see us. Man, they weren't thinking about us. Man, them dogs came out. They let them dogs out the cage, and they brought them out to us. And them dogs were like, where the women at? Where the women at? Where the women at? Where the women at? Where they at? Where they at? I mean, you could tell that these dudes was going crazy. Them dogs was like, man, where they at? <laughs> I didn't say it that way. It's ghetto, but I'm telling you, okay? And so a man that's not spiritual does not hold, hold that in check. He won't even try to hold that in check. He doesn't even know he's supposed to hold it in check. He does not even care about holding it in check. So as soon as he sets his sights on you, if you look good, well, there's another one that I can get rid of this heat. That's not how Eve met Adam. Eve met Adam working a principle for his purpose and chasing after God and obeying. See, let me tell you something. See, when I met my wife, she said, what do you see? What, what do you plan on seeing yourself doing in the future? I said, I'm, I'm going to be an usher at this church. Now, you know why I said that? Because that's what the Lord had told me to do at that time. So even though I was just an usher, which is no such thing, I was operating in my purpose because that's what God told me to do for the moment. So ladies, when you meet a man, that man should be able to tell you what I'm doing at this moment is what I know the Lord is telling me to do. Now, I may not have a million dollars in the bank. I might not have it all together. I might even be in debt. I might be trying to clean up some things. But at this moment, I'm chasing after God. And I know that where I'm supposed to be is where I'm supposed to be. <clears throat> so, I'm going to add this last part. You know, it's interesting. Um, that's, that's the reason why. See, let me tell you something. The most important thing, this is a very strong statement. The most important thing in your life is for you to fulfill the purpose for which God sent you to this planet. And guess what, folks? That means some of you won't get married. And we don't like to hear that. But that's the truth. There's a lady in here right now that, that I believe that this person that... They, the Lord has handcrafted them a husband because of her ministry. Okay? But, but guess what? Okay? The Heavenly Father never sent Jesus a wife because he didn't need one to fulfill his purpose. He didn't send Paul a wife because he didn't need one to fulfill his purpose. He didn't send Elijah and Elijah a wife because they didn't need a wife to fulfill their purpose. But there are some men like me that have to have a wife to fulfill mine. So that's what it means many times when it says they... Whom God has put together, don't let men separate, because God will put some together based on purpose. Then others will fall into the category, he that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the God. It didn't say, he whom the Lord sent a wife, it said, he who found one. So you got to be very careful here, because sometimes we think we got God all figured out. Okay? I'm going to go deeper for a second, then do this last scripture. Okay? 
So, it's very interesting. <clears throat> I was listening to another minister. He was talking about the definition of Eden. The definition of Eden is a very, very complex Hebrew Aramaic type word. It has a lot of different definitions. One of the definitions is the desired place of God's presence. So what happened is, is that ladies, again, and when I'm, see, with me, I believe in protecting the women. When I'm protecting the women, I'm also telling the man what he should be doing. Okay? Adam was in the presence of God. Adam was in the purpose of God. He was doing what his heavenly father told him to do. And then God came up with the idea, all right, now that you have been doing that, I am going to bring you a perfect wife that is suitable and adaptable. Because guess what? When you're about your heavenly father's business, you will get to a point where you need assistance. If I build a business, I can't build it alone. Eventually, I need some assistance. If I build a ministry, you can't do it by myself. Eventually, I need some assistance. And when a man is building his life and fulfilling purpose, eventually he gets to a point where he needs an individual to assist him. So that's why Eve found a man when he was in the presence of God. He was, and let me get, you know, can I go deeper for a second? <clears throat> there is a reason why they will never, ever find Eden. They will never find it. They're looking high and low. They will never find it. Because Eden was a geographical place in the planet. But Eden also had an open heaven between heaven and earth. That open heaven, that's why one of the definitions for Eden is atmosphere. That open heaven changed the atmosphere and made Eden look different than it does today. That's why when Adam sinned, it closed the heavens and that atmosphere left. And all of a sudden they saw what they could not see before. They were naked, but they couldn't see before because the open heaven created a different atmosphere. Y'all got that? So this is the reason why a woman is supposed to meet a man who's in the presence of God. Watch this. How many of you know praise and worship, the Bible says, opens the heavens? So a man got up, praise and worship God. The Bible makes it clear that prayer opens the heavens. Guess what the Bible says? If you tithe, I will open the windows of heaven. So you are, some of y'all are connected men that can't open nothing, let alone heaven. So God brought a woman to a man who was operating under an open heaven and operating in his purpose. Adam didn't have to pray. Adam didn't have to praise and worship. He didn't have to, have to intercede. Adam did not tithe. Adam did not give money. He was operating under an open heaven. That heaven then closed. So now that we got this messed up system, God does not want to connect a woman to a man who does not know how to open what heaven, Jesus he wants you to be connected to a man that knows how to open what Adam closed. Because he brought the woman to Adam before he closed it. Ah. And too many women are connecting themselves to men who can't open nothing on the other side. I have men who come to this church, have come to this church, just a couple, not a lot. Well, you know, brother, I'm not into praise and worship. Oh, you just let me know. You don't know how to, don't know how to open heaven. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. Well, if he's inhabiting it, it means he had to open the heaven and come through. 
Prayer opens the heaven. Okay? You know, some people, they're not connected to a man of prayer. They're connected to a man of pimping. And living with a man that you're not married to is a high form of pimping. That's the reason why when you stop giving the pimp what he wants, he leaves. Because he can't open nothing. Okay? Connected to a man? Nah. I don't believe in giving the church money. I don't believe in organized money, organized religion. You're dealing with a man that can't open heaven. Maybe open up a can of soup that's too tough for you to open. <laughs> but he can't open that. Ladies, how many want to be married to a man that knows how to open heaven? When you're married to a man in open heaven, a lot of your personal prayers have to stop because it's unnecessary. Because why you think a man that meets a wife, he finds a good thing, they obtain favor. So, and that's why they will never find Eden. Because Eden is a geographical place on the continent of Africa. Okay? But they will never find it because Eden, before sin, was introduced into the planet, there was zero barrier. That's why the Bible says that when Adam sinned, okay, this is very mysterious, it says before they closed the heaven, it says God came down and said, Adam, where are you at? It said, Adam, it said God came down in the cool of the night, okay, the cool of the day, and he came to the same spot that him and Adam would just talk and fellowship about the planet and the universe. God was personally teaching this man. They went to the same spot. The New Testament now calls it a prayer closet. It's not a real closet. It's the place in the planet where God speaks with you. He came to that spot and said, Adam, where are you at? And he said, uh, I hid from you because uh, I was naked. And listen to what God said. Who told you that? He said, did you touch that thing I told you not to touch? And remember what God did was, not only did he close the heaven, but it said that he put a, an angel with a flaming sword that went this way because what God purposes everything he did not destroy the tree he got rid of the man because it wasn't nothing wrong with the tree so the man messed up but we still going to protect the tree and we'll put an angel in front of the tree so because listen to what God's see God's purposes don't change he said this man has now the nature of Satan but if he eats that tree we will have to let him live in a demonic state forever so we will put an angel in front of the tree and it will protect it because now this man who we gave the greatest responsibility has now allowed his wife to make a mistake. When you go back and read that, it says Eve was deceived, but Adam was not. When you go back and read Genesis, it says Eve, ooh, Jesus, come on. When you go back and read Genesis, it says Eve ate the, I almost said an apple, she ate the fruit. And then she gave it to her husband standing there with her. This is other something that some men do. Yeah. They don't protect their wives. Yeah. Let me tell you what Adam did. The Lord showed this to me very clear. Let me tell you what Adam did. He let his wife be what they call the canary. That's a mining term. In mining, they have to go deep underneath the ground, but they don't know if it's gaseous down there where it can kill you. So they put a little canary in a cage, and they send it down to the bottom of the mine. And they know that if the canary dies, there's no air. If the canary keeps on chirping, they know they can go down. If the canary stops chirping, they know the air has run out, so now the bird dies. It's called the canary principle. Okay, I, do, I, 
I used to work for the water and sewage department, so we had to go sometimes 100 miles into the ground. We didn't use a canary, but they had what we call gas detectors. But that's what he did. He used his wife as a canary. God told him the day you eat at the tree, you're the guy. He said, my wife said she want to do it. Let me see what happened. Why else, Kimberly, if God told you not to touch the tree and you would die, why else would you watch your wife eat the tree and not say anything unless you wanted to see what would happen to her? And when nothing happened to her, he thought maybe God was wrong because he did not understand that the seed was in him and not in her. tell you, man, everything can be understood in the first five books of Genesis. Every negative thing, every positive thing. God's original purpose, his redemption plan, everything. Adam messed up, and there was a promise made. We're going to destroy the serpent. <laughs> everything is right there in Genesis. Okay? So in order for you to understand God's purpose for relationships, nobody goes back to Genesis. All they do is say a man is supposed to have a job. It was much deeper than that, folk. God did not create a marriage. He created singleness. One individual. Okay? And then when that individual... See, watch this, y'all. See, this is what I mean. What I mean is, this, you take a chance either way. See, Paul recognized this. And when Jesus was explaining that divorce principle, I'm not going to do it today, that's why they said, man, it's better not to get married at all. Because they recognized that, that this thing is tight. This thing is right. It's extremely... Man, it's extremely detailed, and you could mess it up at any moment because the first marriage messed up. Think about that. A perfect situation, and it still got messed up. A man did not protect his wife. Okay? And Eve did not listen to her husband. You see it right there. Look, you go back and read it. Eve told the snake, God said we're not even supposed to look at, God told the snake, we're not even supposed to look at the tree. That's not what God said. He said don't eat of the tree. He didn't, I'm sorry, not touch it. He didn't say you couldn't touch it, he said don't eat it. She told the sermon, he said we're not even supposed to touch it. See, that sound like a man. Don't be looking at, that sound like a man taking his wife to the wall. Ma, don't be looking at nothing. Don't be touching nothing. Don't be perusing through nothing. We came in here to get a loaf of bread and we got to get out. I mean, no, that just generally doesn't work. Okay? You with my wife, she, she at least gonna just touch something. Like, ooh, just. It's like they get an anointing from just touching clothes or something. Okay? But that whole thing can be understood in the beginning. So you have to go back to the beginning and you really have to look at that and the clues and the revelations and the secrets will start coming out about there was no marriage created in the beginning. It's a single person created in the beginning. And it's not until that single, pe- single person was fully, op- not at the end of it, just fully operational in it. Adam wasn't at the end of his purpose. He was still at the beginning. God was going to move him to the planet and then the universe. So you don't have to get to the end of your purpose, but you at least got to know. Okay, now that the man knows, he named a few animals. He got his little principles with the garden. He's tending in, okay, boom, boom. He's engrossed in that, okay. Well, but guess what? Now we need somebody. It's not good for this man to be alone. Let's send him a helper. Somebody who can help him with what we commanded him to do. 
And since she will help him, it will always require him to mature her and teach her the ways of God. And that's why she told the serpent, we're not even supposed to touch this. And she's, this is deep. She's talking to the serpent. She's telling the devil what her husband told her. And then when she grabs the fruit, the husband does not say anything. He watches. God said, I mean, see, see, this is very dangerous with men. Y'all, if you're a man in here and you got two cars, why are you driving the good one? I don't get that. I'm just look at you and my wife. Look at the lady. Okay, I can't tell you how many times I counseled a guy years ago. He had a brand new Chrysler. This thing was shiny. I mean, just brand new. And oh, I won't even mention the name in case he listened. Okay, a brand new. His wife driving a car, smoking up the intersection with the kids. That's called somebody that's not protecting their wife. Okay, I, I, I joke about that little blue van or whatever. I'll rent a car before I let her drive it. And the van is in prime working condition. It's fine. But it doesn't have all them bells and safety whistles and, and all that type of stuff. And it's an old van. So when the wind kicks, you know, it kind of moves and sways with the wind. And, and it makes funny noises when you take off and it doesn't break. You know, she got a, she got a spaceship. Not a boat. Last scripture. Ephesians 5, 21 through 29. See, I can keep on going. You can tell I can keep on going with that garden principle. The whole thing started and messed up. And this is the deep part. We have no idea how long Adam was alive on the planet when his wife was created. We have no idea. The scripture never tells us how long he was working, but it does tell how quick they mess up when the wife showed up. First day. Because God gave him a command. Be fruitful and multiply. They never even had a chance to have kids before they sinned. So, so you, this is why you need to enter into life not lightly. Because if Adam and Eve messed it up, who are we to think that we can just date any old body and rush into the situation and all of this type of stuff? When the, and they, they messed it up while they were in, they messed it up while the heaven was open, not when it was closed. How many know I'm preaching the next morning? Ephesians 5.21. This is the reason why I'm just proving with this last scripture. The woman is called to help the man. And the man is called to mature the woman. Ephesians 5.21. Further, submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. Okay? Now remember, the church is always referred to as the wife. And Jesus is always referred to as the husband. Notice it says that the husband is the savior of his wife. As the wife submits to Christ, so your wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means, watch this, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean. Washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. 
See, a man is supposed to be getting rid of your wrinkles, not producing them. <laughs> or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Watch this. In the same way is how husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. Hey, okay? watch this. I'll give you the parallel right here. How many know, ladies, if you represent the church and men re-represent Jesus, watch the comparison. Okay? Is the church maturing Jesus? But she is helping him. Y'all follow where I'm going? The church is not helping Jesus. I'm sorry. The church is not maturing Jesus. The church is helping Jesus by being representatives and submitting to what he asks us to do. But Jesus is maturing the church. Okay? So a woman is not called to mature a man, but a woman, a man isn't called to mature a woman. But if you connect to somebody that's immature, they ain't going to do nothing but pull you further down. Okay? See, hence this term being unequally yoked together. We'll talk about that next weekend. Okay, I listened to a minister. He said he didn't experience. He said he took, he loved omelets. He said, you heard the term, an omelet is only as good as the eggs. Maybe you haven't heard that term. Okay, but he said he took an, a rotten egg and a good egg and he made an omelet. And he said the thing stinked so bad he had to throw the omelet away. And so, because there are some principles that no matter how good you are, if you hook yourself up to the wrong thing, it's going to sour you, not the other way around. See, that would have been apples. You can be a thousand apples in one bin, put one bad one in there, and it will turn all thousand apples bad. The goodness of the apples cannot stop the perversion. It's amazing to see how these, you would think, wait a minute now, if we put a bad apple in there, all of the good apples. Why do you, why do, why do you think that when it comes to certain individuals, the Bible says, kick them out the church? Because if you leave them in, they're going to corrupt everybody. We all be dealing with crap because I've watched God kick people out of here. I don't care nothing about nobody. Get mad. Woo, I got to calm down. You told me to be careful, didn't you? She said, I did. Okay? So, that's how it goes. See, so this thing has been twisted. It's been perverted because people didn't know what they're talking about. And they didn't have a heart to humble themselves and go back and find out, why, why did we teach it wrong? So we've created this kind of situation where single people are just so depressed, never realizing that they're the most important individuals in the planet. Because all the marriages is just made up of two single individuals. Y'all got me? So remember that. Embrace, now this is just part one. We'll be doing this for about four weeks. <laughs> There's about to be some stuff. So this is just us opening up a little bit, kind of just going a little slow, being a little light. Oh, your mind is going to be warped by the time we're done. We don't even know what the end is going to be. <laughs> hey, and so, but those are the things. Embrace your singleness because singleness is more important than marriage. I know there are going to be some pastors that have a problem with it. Cares not. Hey, embrace your singleness. It's more important with single than it is marriage. If you get marriage, married, it represents something. Hey. But the most important people in the Bible were all single, not married. The ones who produced the most in the Bible were single, not married. Okay? Adam, in the beginning, 
he didn't start out married. <laughs> he started out single. And then he got involved in all of these things in the presence of God, open heaven. Then he closed it. So men are called to open up what Adam closed. So as long as, watch this, as long as a man does not have the ability to open up heaven the same way Adam opened it up, he will not be able to create the same atmosphere that Adam had to attract a woman. And so because God doesn't send him a woman, he will then pick one for himself. And then drive her crazy for the rest of his life. Okay? So remember that. Singlehood. And as a single woman, you're called to help a man. If you're talking about marriage, and man, you are called to cleanse and mature a woman. Let's go ahead and stand. Thank you, O Father God. If you're single, just come to the altar for a moment. Whether you're single, single with kids, divorced, widow, doesn't matter. Thank you, O Father God. Blessed be your holy name. Thank you, O Father God. Blessed be your holy name, O God. Thank you, O Father God. Good grief, there's a lot of single people up in this piece today. Are y'all sure all y'all single? Wait a minute, let me. Like, what happened to the. Hey, thank you, O Lord God. Now, but let me, but let me, let me address that, though. Now, look at how many single people are down here. I want you to think about something when the church dismisses single people like they're just really nothing because they're not married. Okay? <clears throat> so. We're just going to do, I, I, we, I, I guess we, no, my wife's anointing is rubbing over me. I saw us ending both weekend services with having the single people come to the altar. We would lay hands on them. And I don't even know what it means. I just know that the Lord said it will be a reset. It will be a reset for you to see yourself as a proud single individual. To yourself that you are not handicapped. You are not a lower citizen you are not someone that is now like is a plague on you because of how long you've been single. It's actually the total opposite. Remember what Paul said. He said, when, when you study what the scripture says, Paul said, I'm trying to steer you away from marriage. He says, but if you marry, think, listen to what he said. He said, if you marry, you haven't sinned. He said, but you are going to deal with some trouble. Say, don't, don't be looking to run into trouble, folk. Married people tell you we've dealt with some trouble. Part of the trouble we've dealt with is nobody told us what y'all heard today. That's, that's part of the issues. Nobody told us this stuff. Our parents didn't tell us stuff. Our churches didn't tell us stuff. And so, so the grace of God is what has kept us. But, but our responsibility, and not just my wife and I, but all of the married couples, okay? Because the married couples of this church, they reach out to all the marriages and the single people. Our responsibility is to now put into the single people Y'all don't need to rush and try to be like us. We're not the example. Because actually in the scripture, the example is singlehood, not marriagehood. Ooh, it's going to be some preachers mad at me. Cares not. I'm kidding about nobody mad. I'm trying to help people. So we just felt that it was supposed to be a reset. And that we were just supposed to lay hands on people. And, you know, we just lay hands on people for a moment. And um, um, thank you, O Father God. 
it'll just be a reset. Thank you, Lord God. What a wonderful opportunity it is for you all to recommit yourself to the ways of God and to God's word and his way of thinking and doing. Such a wonderful opportunity to have a reset, to start over again. So we all have messed up and you don't have to be in condemnation for your mess or your mistakes. It's okay. You repent, you move on and you go on and live a life that's pleasing to God. And when that time is right, you're ready, he's ready, she's ready. Then that, if you desire to get married, then it will happen. It's a great opportunity to have a reset, to start over again. Commit it in your heart and in your mind and to the ways of God and how he wants you to do things. And I'm going to just say this one more time, you all doing two things at the same time, so excuse me for a moment. I am a, um, it's very important for you to recognize that whether you stay single for the rest of your life or whether you get married, in all honesty, on the other side, y'all, it's not going to make a difference at all. It's not. That's the one, I'm asking the Lord to bring this teaching back to my remembrance. I did a teaching years ago for a group of single people at a church that I used to be a part of. And when I did that teaching, um, I did the teaching, it delivered all of the single people in the room. And I don't even remember what I taught. It was straight from the throne of God. But I do remember telling them, the teaching was about, don't be focused on single, being married, focus on pleasing the Lord. Because when you get to the other side, you will not have any, you know, there are some people that, well, you know, I just want to have some sexual intimacy, you know, before you go to heaven. I think that's what I talked about. And I told him, I said, if you stay a virgin until you go to the other side, you will not miss a thing. And that seems crazy. But the Bible says, it makes it clear, as well as people that have been caught up to heaven, the pleasure that is in heaven for your physical body, it would literally kill this one. You have to have a glorified body to withstand the pleasures of heaven. I remember a man talking about just how when he got, he went to heaven and his sister said, follow me. And they went and they dived in this river. And he said, they went all the way down to the bottom of the river. And they could see everything that was clear, was transparent. He said, they were breathing and talking as though they were above ground. And he said, but it was the, she said, wash, she said, do this to your hair. He said it was the most exhilarating feeling that you cannot put into words. And she said, this is the river where you wash away every aspect of old life in planet Earth. So, I know we'll have moments of disappointment, but you'll have the same disappointments as you will married, as you will single. Let me tell y'all something. If you think you feel alone single, it's worse when you feel alone and you marry. Married people will tell you that. It's worse. The feeling of alone is worse when you are married than when you are single. People that are in bad marriages will tell you that. And so, so, so there has to be a measure of purpose that is being driven into people. There has to also be a measure of honesty. Because Paul said it is through much tribulation that we enter into the other side. We're going to go through some things. You're going to have to fight your emotions. You're going to have demonic attacks where they will make you feel suicidal because you see a beautiful family like ours and you desire that, but you don't have that. But I'm telling y'all, in just a few short moments, when we get to the other side, our beautiful family ain't going to mean nothing to y'all. Y'all know what I mean by that. 
people have different things and talents and things and sometimes a purpose. Maybe the Lord blessed us with a beautiful family because of the position that we are in. It would give married people with families hope. You can't judge why people have certain things, folk, and think that they're better than you because nobody is better than anybody. It's only one person that's better than anybody, and that's Jesus Christ. And he put us on an equal platform with him. Okay? So, you know, I want you to exercise your faith today for what we call a divine reset. This is the Lord setting you back on the right course. And whether you are 20, whether you are 15, or whether you are 80, y'all, Moses didn't start his ministry till he was 80. He had another reset. Today you're going to be reset. Okay, so go ahead and lift your hands. Thank you, O Lord. And just begin to ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Thank you, O Lord. Ask him to fill you with the knowledge of your will. Blessed be your holy name. Thank you, O Lord God. Thank him for resetting you. Thank you, O Lord. everyone great again we know oh father god that it is a slogan by our president but we take that slogan and apply it to us oh lord that you are making them great again thank you oh lord god that the things that have been stolen from their singlehood will be restored thank you lord god that as we lay hands on everyone that grace will be released to give everyone a divine restart a divine reset and I thank you oh Lord God that anyone who is carrying the shame of being single that it will be washed away it will be replaced with honor it'll be replaced with purpose it'll be replaced with Holy Ghost pride thank you oh Lord God for singleness is something not to be looked down upon but to be celebrated because it is not marriage that is the building block of society, but it is singleness. For marriages are made up of single individuals who come together and create a sum total. So we thank you, O oh Father God. Yes, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. That the wind of the Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord God, is washing away condemnation. Washing away negative words that have been spoken over people. Washing away negative feelings. Washing away, oh Lord God, yokes and burdens that have been created in their lives as a result, oh Father God, of dating the wrong way, as a result of being hooked up with the wrong individuals. 
Some of them, O oh Lord God, will need to make hard decisions. But I ask that you would strengthen them to make those decisions in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And I thank you, O oh Lord God, that their purpose will be restored. You will reveal unto them, O oh Lord God, your plan for them, your life for them. And we bless and honor your holy and majestic name, O oh God. Thank you, O oh Lord. Blessed be your holy name. Blessed be your holy name. but just exercise faith that once we touch you, see a divine reset happening in your life. Thank you.